The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then you'd go on to verse two, Leviticus three, verse two, and you would ask the question, did I remember to put my hands on that animal before it was killed? Did I make sure that that, that the priest really did offer the blood of my peace offering around the altar? What if I didn't? What if they didn't? And then you'd go on to verse four, Leviticus three, verse four, Leviticus three, four, and you would say, peace offering, I had to, I wonder, did I really remove both the kidneys and the lobe? above the liver before my peace offering was burnt? What if I didn't? And then, you know, don't stop now. You go on, you read Leviticus 4, and you realize you have to offer a sin offering, a sin offering. Now, all these things, they're not optional. You can't sit there and say, you know, I'm gonna go to lunch instead. This is too much. You, no, you can't do that. You have to do this. And so now in verse 4, you realize I got a sin offering and so again, you read in Leviticus 4 and you all the details and you're asking yourself the question because these are plaguing you. Verse 4, Leviticus 4, Leviticus 4, verse 3, Leviticus 4, verse 3, you would say, did I make sure it was really a young bullock and not an old one? Now, I didn't try to slip an old one in, did I? Did, did I make sure it was without blemish? What if it wasn't? And then in verse 4, Leviticus 4, verse 4, Leviticus 4.4, you'd say, did I remember to put my head on the hands of that bullock? Did I make sure that I just didn't drop off the sin offering and, and, and say, you know, here, here's my sin offering. I gotta go buy milk, milk butter, and eggs right now. No, 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 did, did I really do that? And in verse six, in verse six, Leviticus 4.6, uh, Leviticus 4.6, did I do all that I could because I couldn't see this, to make sure that the priest dipped his finger in the blood of my sin offering and that he sprinkled it seven times before the veil of the sanctuary in the holy place, I couldn't go in there and see. It did, so did I question the priest and make sure that he did? I mean, there's a lot of people here offering sin offerings. I gotta make sure my sin offering got the, his finger in that, the blood and, and sprinkled before the holy place there. And then, and then verse seven, Leviticus 4, seven, Leviticus 4, seven, did I make sure to make sure that the priests put some of the blood of my sin offering on the horns of the incense, the altar of incense in the holy place? I couldn't go in there, but what if I didn't? What if he didn't, really? 
when I couldn't see him, then what? Or verse seven, Leviticus four, verse seven, Leviticus four, seven. Did I make sure that the remainder of the blood of my sin offering was poured out at the base of the altar? What if I forgot to make sure? I could see that. Or verses seven and eight, Leviticus four, seven and eight. Did I make sure that all the fat was first removed? from my sin offering, and the two kidneys were removed, and the lobe that was above the liver, and it, it, before it was burnt on the altar. Did I make sure of that? What if it weren't? Or verses 11 and 12, uh, Leviticus 4, 11 and 12, and you say, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Did I remember to make sure that before my sin offering was burnt, that I removed all the skin and all the flesh of the head and with the head and the dung and the legs and all the internal organs, and I took them outside the camp and I burned them there and poured out all of those ashes for the sin offering. What if I missed them? What if I forgot? Boy, with all that I've got to do here, it's better for me just to sit in the house because I can't sin because it's too much work to go do the sin offering here. It's terrible. And then you go on, you know, you go on and, you, and you'd read Leviticus 5. In Leviticus 5, you'd see, oh, I got a trespass offering that I got to offer now. And you ask yourself the questions, these questions, Leviticus 5, verse 15. Leviticus 5, 15. Make sure that that ram, it had to be a ram for my trespass offering. Again, without, without blemish. What if it had blemish? Verse 15, Leviticus 5.15, Leviticus 5.15. Did I remember, because the trespass offering is when I cheated someone. Did I remember to add to the trespass offering the correct number of shekels that represented 20% more than I cheated the person out of? What if I shortchanged them? I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe I was ignorant of what happened. How can I be sure the right amount was repaid? So you'd have a lot of questions, and, 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 and basically they all boiled down to, were my five offerings done right for the whole burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering? And just, it'd be hard for you just to remember, just in order all those five offerings, much more, all the, much less all the details, and it just would exhaust you. And then you remember all that once, and you think, I gotta remember that over and over and over again because those sacrifices were offered over and over and over again. You feeling the burden yet of the sacrifices of all that's contained in that word all? All in Hebrews 10.10. Isn't this a refreshment to read in Hebrews 10.10 by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all? It's finished. And so when you look at verse 10 and you look at verse 12, this is leading us up to verse 19. This one for all, it's the grand point, it's the great thing where, where we get to verse 19 where it says, having, having what? Having the one for all. Having therefore. This is a, this is a having a Hebrews 10.10 10, once for all sacrifice. Having a Hebrews 10.12 one sacrifice for sins forever. So what we have here is everything covered by this once for all. And that's what it means when it said having therefore in Hebrews 10, 19. It's this one sacrifice. The sacrifice, the blood of the Lord Jesus, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, the blood of the Lord Jesus is so powerful that it silences 
all the demands of all the details for those five sacrifices in Leviticus 1 through 5. That's the blood of the Lord Jesus, the once for all, the one sacrifice for sins forever. Now we're told that that great once for all sacrifice, that great one sacrifice of sins forever, what's gonna happen is that it gives us a boldness now to enter into the holiest of all. And so this is what happens as we sit now, and, as, and, and especially when we're alone, and we just gaze at that sacrifice. Kind of like, like, you know, putting your, your elbow on the windowsill and looking out at the, at, the, at, the, at the window at heaven. And you just gaze at the blood of the lamb. And you realize all that he accomplished and it gives us a confidence, having therefore a boldness. A boldness is a confidence. It's a confidence. All doubt is removed. All fear is removed. You know, it's a confidence. It's a confidence. Um, you know, we exercise a confidence every time we eat. I love to eat. I tried to keep it a secret, but I'm not doing very well at it. <laughs> because when we eat, we bite down on the food. And I love that, that moment just before you, before you bite down, you know? I mean, some of these guys came back from Israel and, and they said that there were great hamburgers in Israel. And that aroused in me a desire for a great hamburger, you know, the better than Fuddruckers hamburger. And so, so you know, I went home and I, you know, I, I gotta get the, the, the perfectly toasted hamburger bun. The potato bun, that's better. And then you build the burger with just the right, perfect amounts, nothing over, nothing overcrowding, the, the mayonnaise and the, and the mustard and the ketchup and the tomato and the thick onion. So when you bite into it, it's the crunch yes. of that onion, you know. And, and a perfectly cooked burger, just enough fat, 20%, that's good. And just to make it taste good with the salt and the pepper. And you, get, and you build this burger and you look at it you look at it like a lion ready to devour a gazelle. And you think to yourself, that's the last time that burger's gonna look like that. I guarantee it. And so when you'd go for that first bite, which is always the best, by the way, that first bite in that burger, you have com complete confidence that your teeth are gonna work. And, and, you know, and, and, and your teeth, you, you know, you're sitting there saying to your tooth, you up to chewing this burger? And your teeth says, yes. And you, who, who invented the hamburger? You should get the Nobel Prize, that person. Anyway, before you bite into that burger, you say, okay, teeth, do your job. That is the picture, not exactly that one, but similar. That is the picture that God gives in Proverbs 25, 19. Proverbs 25, 19 says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth that is out, or and a foot that is out of joint. How many of you ever had a broken tooth? I have, have you ever had a broken tooth? Yeah, that's no fun. Because you know when you got a broken tooth, you tender it and you don't, it, and you don't, you don't eat the hamburger in the same way if you have a broken tooth. Because you don't put confidence in the broken tooth. Putting confidence and reliance on the blood of the Lord Jesus is not like putting confidence in a broken tooth. You know it's gonna work just like you know your teeth are gonna work when you hit that hamburger. And that's the same knowledge that we have when we rely on the blood of Jesus and what it has accomplished for us to have complete appeasement with God. Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, 
which is the book of wisdom. It's the book of wisdom for life, and a big factor in life is where you put your confidence. So he said in Proverbs 3.26, Proverbs 3.26, the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Proverbs 14.26, 14.26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And how do we get this confidence? How do we get this confidence? Like I said, it's, it's, a, it's just gazing, put on the windowsill of heaven, the, the windowsill. It's a gazing and take time, take time. It doesn't just happen from hearing a message or singing a song that there's power in the blood, there's power in the blood. It happens when quiet time is taken to stop all the other urgencies, all the other distractions in life and just take time to look at the blood of the Lord Jesus to consider all that he did for us. Just like I was just mentioning those five sacrifices. Why? Because this is the key, this is the secret that God gave in Isaiah 30, verse 15. Isaiah 30, verse 15, God said to Israel, for thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of, Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness, in confidence, quietness and confidence, shall be your strength. That's what we just sang. Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on, let it. The world rushes on. Much time spent in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be. Thy friends and thy conduct his likeness shall see. This boldness reflects itself in a speech. We speak. Boldness reflects itself in, in talk. And this is what was seen in, about Paul. Paul, it, it, when it says in Acts 28.30, Acts 28.30, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all them that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. With all confidence. It was a great confidence that Paul had when he taught and when he spoke. This is the confidence that drove Peter and John when they were speaking, even though they was risking their own life to do so in Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13, it says, now when they saw the boldness or the confidence, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, they took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. That was the key to their confidence. It tells us the secret there. Our confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus comes in direct proportion to how much time we spend alone with Jesus. Our, our boldness to witness comes in direct proportion of how much time we spend alone with the Lord Jesus. This confidence is so important. It's so important. In Hebrews, it makes a big point about this throughout the book. In Hebrews 3, 6, it says, Hold fast the confidence. Hold on to it. You know, it, just to the end, it doesn't matter how well a person starts in their Christian life, it matters how well they finish. So it says, hold on. In Hebrews, Hebrews 3, uh, 6, it says that. Hebrews 3, 14 says, it says, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, steadfast unto the end. Hebrews 10.35, Hebrews 10.35, it's, it's a picture like you're on a boat. 
It's a picture on, your boat, on a boat and you gotta cast things overboard just like they had to do in Paul's day. Cast things overboard and it says in Hebrews 10.34, cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense of reward. Now then you notice in, in verse 19 it uses this word brethren. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter in now, brethren is, is a very important word, and, and, and it's, it's used a lot now, and everybody is this brother and that brother and the other brother, and, and so it becomes a question of what makes a person a brother? What makes a person a brother? Does attendance at the same church make him a brother? The verse tells us that it's implying here that a person is a brother if he has the same confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus of what it accomplished. That's the shared confidence in the accomplishments of the blood of the Lord Jesus that makes a person a brother. When a person says, yes, I have confidence that the blood of the Lord Jesus removed my sins, redeemed my soul, covered my sins, reconciled me to God, cleansed me within, gave me peace with God, justified me, gave me white robes, sanctification, overcoming, and here, entrance, then that's what makes a person a brother. That's what makes a person a brother. Boldness is the confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus. And now we see what this boldness does in verse 19. Boldness to enter into the blood of Jesus. This, is, this verse is all about entrance, enter into. It's a, it's a, in order to appreciate this enter into, again, imagine yourself, imagine yourself back in Moses' day and what it was like for us. We already saw what it was like to have the burden of all those five sacrifices to get it right with all the specifications. Now think about what the Holy of Holies would have been like for us. The Holy of Holies was off limits for us, only explained to us but never seen. It was a place that we had never seen, just heard about, never could have imagined ourselves setting foot inside the Holy of Holies where God was. We could not enter. As far as the tabernacle was concerned, the, the outer court was this far and no farther. That's what it was for us. We just had no access to the Holy of Holies. We had no access to the holy place. You know what the Holy of Holies, Holy of Holies for us was sort of like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When it says in Genesis 3.23, Genesis 3.23, therefore the Lord sent, for, sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed in the east of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way to the tree of, of the tree of life. So Adam and Eve, they were in the presence of God where God was in the Garden of Eden. Just uh, it, It's interesting that the Jews today, when they refer to heaven, they call it Ganidan, they call it the Garden of Eden. But their own sin, Adam's own sin, Eve's own sin, drove them out of the garden. That's what caused them to be driven out of the Garden of Eden. And in the same way, our own sin caused us to be driven out of the presence of God, just like Adam and Eve. And the last thing that they would have had, or we would have, is a boldness to enter into the holiest, as described here in Hebrews 10, 19. For any person to say, that without the blood of Jesus, that I'm gonna just boldly march into God's presence is suicide. It's suicide. 
So when we think about the, this in Genesis 3 and being driven out and, the, and those Genesis 3 angels with their flaming sword flat going every direction, how can a person have boldness to enter into the holiest? You, you remember how when I was talking about how we, we, the worry that you have that you got all the, the sin offering right and how you worried, did, did the priest really sprinkle the blood of my sin offering before the veil of the holy place and did he apply my the sin of my sin off, the blood of my sin offering to the horns of the incense altar in the holy place well you and I could never go into the holy place so so because that was only for the priest so and for sure we could never go into the holy of holies where god was only the priest went in there once a year on the day of atonement yom kippur and the restriction of this access into that holy of holies is what is emphasized in Hebrews 9.7. In Hebrews 9.7 where it says, but into the second, that'd be the holy of holies, into the second went the priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. That's a pretty frightening verse. That was a pretty frightening time for the high priest to go into the holy of holies once a year. You imagine the fear and the trembling of the high priest as he as he was going over in his mind. I got to make sure I got it all right. I got it. Did I really get it all right? I mean, what kind of a checklist did he have? I don't know. Because if he didn't, he had one expectation. That would be to die. They even tied a rope, and you can see how it was depicted over there. They even tied a rope around the ankle of the high priest, just in case. His sacrifice was, was not accepted and they had to get his dead body out there. You gonna go in there? No, I'm not going in there to get him. So they need a rope so that they can pull him out of the, uh, the Holy of Holies there and try to imagine the high priest. Try to imagine the high priest before he went into the Holy of Holies. And just think of the anxiety that he felt. He's got that marked on his calendar. You going into the Holy of Holies, the Day of Atonement's coming up. You're gonna risk your life again. I mean, just think of that morning, you know. He says goodbye, he kisses his wife and his kids, and, and, and everybody knows that he may not come back. He may not come back today. This could be the last mission. And just think of how he felt as he's getting, getting, being made ready to go into the Holy of Holies and his other priest co 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 colleagues there are tying the rope around his ankle. I mean, you know, just a very tense time. Now, just imagine now how all of this has changed with Hebrews 10, 19. Just imagine how it all changes now in verse 19. Now he's got a boldness to enter into. It's an absolute contrast with the fear and trembling of the high priest. And imagine how the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. You know how he entered? It said, not without blood. You know how he entered? I'll show you how he entered, like this. That's how he entered. I got the blood here. Here it is. Here it is, you know, look, Lord, uh, I, uh, I, I know, I, I know, I know that I've sinned. I know the people have sinned. Don't look at me. Don't look at them. Just look at this blood. Just look at this blood. Because it, it, it was from an innocent animal. So he, as he approached with the fear and the trembling, maybe he's sh shutting his eyes as he's walking up there in, in, in fear, and he's relying on the blood that he's got to, to offer and, 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 and I mean, that was a pretty terrible job for that high priest. And maybe he was thinking to himself, why me? Why didn't I end up, why did I end up as a high priest? I could have been a baker instead, you know, been a lot better. But, but he did it. 
And everything depended on the blood that he was holding out. The blood that he was holding out. And now you look at the, the last part of verse 19 and put it in the context of the priest, the high priest, enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By the blood, by, he entered into the holiest. Do, do we enter into the holiest by a blood of the goat? No. That's how the high priest entered into the holiest, as he held out the blood of the goat. The high priest entered into the holiest by the blood of the goat. The high priest trembled in fear as he held out the blood of the goat. And we can imagine the high priest thinking to himself, there's got to be something more valuable than the blood of this goat. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you.